I want to cover a passage of scripture that I think um, many people, if you've spent really kind of any um, stretch of time in the church, you've heard of a thing called uh, Romans Road. And for those, I guess, that, that don't know, Romans Road is a series of, of passages through, um, through uh, Romans that are commonly used as the epitus for um, altar calls or walking people through the process of what kind of a, a, a snippet and a snapshot, if you will, of what salvation means, what the gospel means, um, kind of a condensed version of the gospel. I want to start with Romans 5. Uh, reading out of the NLT. So starting at verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Now, I'm going to hit the pause button real quick. When I was reading through that this week, I felt it like it was just a, a kick in the soul, but in a good way. Um, this, uh, that, that phrase, undeserved privilege, um, where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that we for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope in salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. I'm going to cut it off there. There's other um, nuggets uh, past that point. I enjoy understanding kind of how something works. I, I'm my brain works in a very uh, analytical way. And so I, you know, this whole idea of faith, I wanted to compare the uh, Webster's Dictionary definition of faith to the definition of faith that we get in the Bible, because it is, it is defined pretty clearly in the Bible. So Mary, the, the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary version says complete trust or confidence in someone or something. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. When you look at Romans and you look at all of the different declarations that are made in such a short 
in, in such a short set, you realize that it's a reminder that every single day we walk around with blessed assurance for all of the unknowns, for all of the what ifs, and the big thing that came to my mind this week, listening or uh, reading this, was that this concept that all too often I hear people question their salvation because you don't hear you don't feel you don't feel the warm and fuzzies you don't feel super connected to god and you don't feel like you're being that you're having that constant embrace and constant overflow of the spirit and this idea of well it must not be um it must not be once saved always saved because I backslid or I did this or I'm feeling this way and so I must that my my salvation my, I must have backslid right out of my right out of my salvation when the truth is is that faith faith is not a feeling faith is a daily action word the bible says that you have to die daily to your to your flesh it seems to me that the bible is pretty purposeful about bringing up this idea of daily action and daily interaction with your faith that it is dynamic and not this i've prayed once and I got my fire insurance and I'm good to go and or you know I went to this conference and I was supercharged and I feel like I could punch a freight train with how much faith I have and eventually that faith goes away or eventually that feeling goes away is what I meant to say. And what you're left with is reality. In 1 Peter 1.7, it says, These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So not only is our faith dynamic, it is foretold and specifically stated that we are going to encounter times of struggle. We are going to have to interact, like I said, dynamically with our faith. 
I think the need and compulsion to add extra man-made layers onto this idea of faith that because you don't have that loving feeling as the as the song goes then there must be something wrong with your salvation because humans kind of need to feel like they got a playbook so the idea being that if they're if they're not feeling the thing then there must be something up with on on a faith level okay um to go back, that verse that you were interested in, I think it was 1 Corinthians 15, 31. Yep. And uh, real briefly, it says, and you tell me right now if it is or not. I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. Of course, that's just a snippet, but that may or may not be the one you were thinking of. But dying daily. But also we're dead. Um, there's, there's different references uh, where we're dead already. Uh, and made alive to Christ. But the one thing that you're talking about, and I think it's very important for the listener to understand, is you're saying don't don't go by the the barometer of feelings, which can be up one day and down one day, rainy or sunshine, rainy or sunshine. But to look at the your life from the point of Christ forward, and you should be able to see that your faith has coupled with what Christ has done on the cross and you've been changed meaning your testimony is honoring God and glorifying God you know whether your sin addictions your failures your character flaws have lessened and so you can actually have a measurement I am not the man I used to be you've heard that said before so I think there is a way to to see your faith come alive and not rely on emotions, but on, um, I'm thinking of the word of sober, I want to say reflection. If you're going to negate one barometer, then you need to take a look at the correct one because there is a barometer. There is a way of telling that is telling of where your heart is and all of that when you look at the point of christ the point where you have become a new creation in him and accepted holy spirit into your life taking from that point on through it is there is nothing wrong when you do feel things, when those things happen and you do have feelings, there's nothing wrong with the feelings in and of themselves. I should clarify that, that it kind of sounds like I'm harping on the idea of having any kind of feelings and you shouldn't rely on any kind of feelings because the world that leads to is legalism. That re that leads to just following a rule, a, a rule book because, and, and you've heard me say before, that there has to be a radical encounter. There has to be a coming to Jesus moment in your heart where you, it makes you feel a thing. It makes you feel something deep down, in, deep down inside. My point being though, is that that 
feeling, that warm and fuzzy that so many people, when they feel connected to God, when they feel the Holy Spirit inside of them, is what ebbs and flows. And the Bible is pretty purposeful in stating that that's going to happen, not just might, but an inevitability. What would you say to the person who is struggling with feeling emotion because it may lead them in some way astray? They're fearful to enjoy emotions that are connected with faith. I want to be, you know, clear on that because they may feel like it doesn't lead them. Um, it may lead them astray. I'll give you an example if, if, if it helps. Somebody who enjoys laughing, uh, but has associated laughter with like, you know, comedy shows, uh, comedy clubs, sarcastic comments. So laughter seems to be almost um, experienced with what could be a negative environment. I know there are clean comedians and clean shows few and far between but you know for the most part it's easier to find a problem than it is to find a place that, that's an oasis so what would you tell that person about your laughter every good thing comes from god mm -hmm. that god is the wellspring of all everything good and holy and one of the fruits of the spirit is joy that lends to the idea that god gave us feelings for a reason mm -hmm. yes now how we engage with those feelings is is up for interpretation and up for um, examination is a better word, um, especially if you are in the position that you maybe were into a certain thing or you associate a certain thing pre-Christ in your life to post. Um, and, and examine examine those those emotions through the lens of the holy spirit and by that i mean the bible is very specific about like i said the fruits of the spirit the byproduct of the spirit being present in your life the bible will never contradict itself so if what you're experiencing doesn't line up with that then then there's an issue with with that and just to clarify, the reason I ask this is because someone, especially a new Christian, may think that in order for you to be a mature Christian, you're always serious. Therefore, you are never laughing or you don't um, join into laughter. But we know that Proverbs talks about a merry heart and laughter is good medicine. So there is a place for laughter. Um, and I think if a person doesn't know why they're doing something, uh, Holy Spirit will reveal it in time. Are they doing it because it's fun to laugh? 
Are they doing it because somehow it distressed them or are they doing it because they're in an uncomfortable situation and that's their way of dealing with it? There's another one is, um, do they laugh when someone falls? You know, that might reveal, you know what? I wasn't really thoughtful of that person. Or I really didn't treat them nicely with my laughter. So that might reveal itself as a knee-jerk response to someone getting hurt because it looks funny as opposed to being concerned. And you see this all the time on YouTube. Somebody falls, everybody busts out laughing, but you know, that person looked like they got hurt. Why aren't you asking them that? Why is your first response to laugh? So there's that kind of thing. But as you grow in your faith, Holy Spirit will make you aware of that. And you will wind up moving away from I'm going to call it guilty laughter. I don't know how to describe it, but that kind of laughter, inappropriate is probably the better the way to put it. You know, would you laugh if Jesus was there? You know, that goes up with the what would Jesus do kind of question, which may or may not be helpful to some people. But, you know, it is it is a thing. I would like to see more laughter in the kingdom of God um, and not the thought that I have to be serious and give up um, enjoyment. I'm a Christian. I'm dead to sin and joy at the same time. Yeah, yeah, no, I and I you hit on a key point that I I wanted to touch on is the increase of faith. This whole idea of faith with it being with the way that it's commonly thought of it's commonly associated with I have it, it is a thing it is just like a thing like my phone, it is. That's what it is. It's got. I've got X amount of it. That's what it is. When in all actuality, your faith grows over time. Your relationship with Christ grows in the same way that your relationship would with a person over time, over experience, over the long haul. And so, the more that you get to know going back to the whole idea of intimacy bible literacy mm. all of those things the more you get to know the shepherd's voice the more reliance and subsequently faith you're going to have there's never been there's a lot of people that struggle with the idea of just all of a sudden it clicks in their head and they never have any problems with this whole idea of everything that we believe in being outside of the realm of sight or the the world the immediate world around us the old saying goes is that believing is seen Seeing is believing. So, I think that the thing that people lose sight of sometimes is that God knows what it's like 
what we go through. You know, in a human aspect, rulers don't really always know what their subjects go through on a daily basis, what it is like to be the peasant, so to speak. Not to say that God views us as peasants, but what it's like to be the common folk. With there is a there is a very clear understanding that our creator knows us and understands that and has grace with the idea that faith is a gradual progression it is a journey and not a destination and going back to the barometer being your faith versus a feeling and understanding that that faith is actionable on a regular basis that you'll be able to see through the lens of that faith your your progression towards christ okay so um the verse i was talking about was john 2:26, and it says just as the body is dead without breath so also faith is dead without good works so there's that coupling that you talk about faith being action it's it's actually um partnered with doing something in order for it to be viable absolutely um i think the best way that i've heard it addressed as far as our relationship with God, with our faith, and how we interact with it is co-laboring. Um, that it is not just, you know, we leave God to do his thing and we just get to sit back and watch, just as it's not God leaving us to our own devices, because left to our own devices, it's not very good. <laughs> um, and, and so it is a mutual relationship. And in, in this world, there's a lot of chaos and a lot of competing voices about what a proper life looks like. What does a proper life look like? What does the will of God look like versus what does morality look like? And... Either way, whatever it is that you stand for, you have to have the confidence and the conviction to be able to stand up and execute on that. And when that looks like following Christ, when the rest of the world is saying that what you believe in is a fairy tale made up to soothe the fact that we understand our own mortality, it takes that confidence and conviction through faith to continue through that road even when that road is filled with potholes. I want to make it relatable for the people that – because a lot of times when you listen to these kinds of things, the people that are telling the – that are talking into the microphone seem like they've got it all together. So I'm going to take a little trip down memory lane here for a second. A year and a half ago, I had no idea what faith was because to me, I looked around and I saw men that just had it all together and I couldn't explain it. 
there were some of them that had something different that wouldn't give up on this notion that they had of what they were serving. And I didn't understand that because what I saw were men that were willing to take shots on the chin from life and keep moving forward in a way that it didn't shake their conviction. I didn't understand that. And for me, it took that introduction to faith being born in a dark time, being born at night. It needed to be. It couldn't be born in a pleasant situation. Um, I'm stubborn. Like many of us who are human, um, I, am, I am bullheaded and opinionated. Um, and so... For me, I look at the importance of faith being an action and not a feeling because that means the difference between life and death for some people. That, and by that, I mean, you know, we are, we, we talk lightly sometimes. Uh, uh, well, most times we talk lightly about faith. And we talk about things of like what's going to happen in, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, however many years between here and the other side of the veil over this long stretch of time. But sometimes that's not there, that long stretch of time. And so having the understanding that salvation, that gift has one requirement, faith. Faith in the fact that a man was sent, that Jesus sent his son, died, rose again. Yes, there's more dimensions to salvation and a relationship with, there's more dim dimensions to the full-on relationship with Christ, the full-on relationship with God and man, but that key to that door that's unlocked in that moment is putting your faith in something that happened 2,000 years ago that still plays impact, has since it happened, and will continue till the second coming. Do you mind if I uh, add to that? Yeah, go on. Uh, I, as you were speaking, I had thoughts in my head that may help um, some of the listeners. And that would be that, the, that at the time of Christ's atonement, his shedding of the blood for the sins of the world, the whole world, it's not just for the people who would believe, but the whole entire world, debt paid, boom. Okay. So in order for you to receive that, you do it through faith which is the transaction point. But moving forward, you know that you've accepted it as your life begins to change, as you pursue holiness, which comes through reading the word, the Bible, and learning from it, learning about Jesus, who he is, becoming part of it. Your prayer is communicating with the Holy Spirit as though he's right there with you as opposed to up in heaven, far distant, 
knowing that when you go out and you go commit whatever sin you normally do, whether it's having sex with another person, doing drugs or anything like that. And by sex, I mean out of marriage. Um, And regardless, you know, same sex, opposite sex, it's it's not covered. Uh, You when you do that, you start to realize the Holy Spirit is there. He's indwelling you and you're becoming aware of his presence as you go through sin. And people who have struggled with things that are not commonly thought of as, uh, I want to say mortal sins, but like, you know, overeating, you know, people who just even know they eat the wrong things that will make them sick and they know they shouldn't, you know, that thing starts to awaken in them that, you know, I really am not treating my body the right way. It's a, it's a temple of God. God indwells me. And I'm, and I like the way a person said it. They don't worship God through what they're eating. Um, meaning that they were eating the wrong things and they were like becoming depressed about it or eating out of comfort where it's an emotional eating as opposed to um, eating for, for life. nutrition and don't get me wrong you can go to a wedding and have cake we're not saying stop it no more fun for you but what we're saying is you're not treating food as an idol and so you start to develop those different nuances as your faith grows but then you start seeing these interesting scriptures that start to pop out about healing um, about um, what's another one? Uh, when I, in, I, I would have to go through it, and it's, I think it's in Ephesians where we're seated in the heavenly realms. You know, what does that mean? Is that a metaphor? Many people will say that's a metaphor, but it doesn't sound like a metaphor. It, it sounds like there's a spiritual part to it. So when you reflect on it, what would it be like to be seated in heavenly realms? Well, you know, this is not something that a who, person who's actively engaged in sin is thinking on. He's not thinking of what's noble or what's pure and what's holy. He's thinking about lusting. So therefore, that whole faith transaction for that person is not what I would say. I don't want to say legitimate because they, their heart may not have gone there yet, but it's not what it, God has intended it to be. And I, and I put that a little bit loosely there. They are pursuing something and they could wind up going under what I consider a false theology, which is hyper grace. Hyper grace says, you know, God got it covered. You said, yeah, I'll take it. And now you can do whatever you want. No, that's not what that means. Um, that's not faith. That's just um, a delusion, for lack of a better word. Matthew 22, starting at 11. I'm only going to go to... 13 here no actually 14 okay so it says but when the king came in to meet the guests he noticed a man who wasn't wearing a, the proper clothes for a wedding friend he asked how is it that you are here without wedding clothes but the man had no reply the king said to his aides bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called but few are chosen and one time i was reading that and i made it really a a strong connection with hyper grace 
which teaches us that we could just say, yeah, I'll take Jesus as my savior and then go about sinning as though life has not changed for us. No desire to pursue God in any way, fashion, other than to say, I got my fire insurance. And a lot of times in scripture, clothing refers to righteousness. Um, so this person was not wearing the wedding clothes. Um, and this is one of the parables. Um, well, let me step back. It might not be a parable. Hold on. Let me, okay. Um, let me go back to that. So, it, you know, this is a wedding here that's occurring. And it, the person shows up expecting to be part of the wedding activities. I can't say wedding party because that has a different meaning in our culture. And I'm not sure that's what it's saying here. But he's not dressed like a guest. He's not in a in wedding clothes so therefore he's not there in 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 the righteousness of following god and so he's thrown out to the outer darkness and the thing is for many are called god is always calling people but few are chosen so there's a whole essence of chosen what does that mean well i think besides being chosen you choose to follow that you choose to follow that there's there is a lot of scripture about chosen i, I don't want to go down into a rabbit trail on that maybe we can cover it over but it, it's god who first calls us and we respond to that uh or not respond to it uh because he's not willing that any should perish so our clothing here um is significant with what we would measure our faith as you know because we're prepared for the wedding feast as guests we're prepared for the wedding feast we've gone through we said okay guys wear a tux and a black tie or maybe a white tux and a white tie for this particular wedding feast the women wear nice long um flowy gown as as the wedding guests and we're prepared for that because we've read the the scripture what's expected and we work through it to understand we don't do it to just be legalistic and get it down pat, but we understand why the white tux, why the white dress, why the, the, the uh, I'm going to say the bride and the bridegroom, or here, the king expects that. He expects us to dress a certain way. So we're out to meet his wish. So that would be in, alluding to what you spoke earlier about um, preparing and, and doing a, a, well, I'm going to, this is a different thought. It's not what you said before, but doing an inventory or a self-awareness or a reflection or whatever you want to use to make sure that we are growing and see the change in our lives, that we're taking into account what we've been doing and seeing that our larger sins have pretty much fallen by the wayside or gone completely. And then the other things that would hold us back, you know, uh, sarcastic remarks, um, um, picking on somebody, um, squeezing out $10 out of, you know, where you shouldn't have, you know, those little, little nuances. <laughs> so, you know, God just starts to change you in the big and in the small. And it's important to recognize um that gradual progression, that comes, you know, we saw 
we saw Jesus being tested in the desert. We saw his testing at the hands of the devil referred to as tempting, but within context, those words are interchangeable. And so in First Peter, where it says, it is being tested as fires test and purify gold, it's, it's a natural, these things that happen, that gradual progression, it needs to be tested and challenged and poked and prodded and introduced to the realities of life. And that, I think, is where the trouble comes in with that feeling like not to keep going back to the well but that feeling post conference or post really good service or post worship service or what have you all good things but that faith that that feeling rather is not involved and introduced to the outside world. It's that evolving and introducing to the outside world that tests it and pokes it and prods it and fortifies it ultimately because it's going to come with opposition. It's going to come with... It's going to be met with... Attempted sabotage, we'll say, that faith is going to be challenged in order for it to grow. It's that opposition to our faith and that the fires that allow us to grow and allow us to overcome when the challenges come. And so I want to use that segue to hone in and speak to the speak to the followers here, speak to the body. Okay? All of us make mistakes in this life. We are given opportunities that we don't take. And so part of why I want to address faith with such fervency is because it is faith inside the confines of a very real life and very real implications. And so I want, I want to get real with you guys for a second. You know, we talk, we're two real guys that live life every single day. We're not pastors. We're not, we don't present you with a polished sermon. We present you with real conversation. And so I want to bring you guys in on 
a very real mistake that I made. I was given the opportunity to many opportunities to to speak to uh, uh, an old friend about God. He had questions. It came up. We we dialogued slightly, but we're talking tip of the iceberg stuff where the opportunity came in and I didn't have the faith that I could be used. I didn't have faith enough to say that I wasn't going to look like an idiot or I wasn't comfortable with it. And so I, I'm specifically honing in on the followers, those that people those listening that that follow the, or that claim the name of Jesus, we are given a very holy decree, and that's to go out and make disciples. Spread the word. Don't be afraid, because there is a difference between fear and faith. Have the faith to go out and speak boldly. Because we want to believe that we've got 40, 50, 60 years for people my age. We want to believe that. Until the day that you wake up and you find out that that person that you should have been ministering to died. <clears throat> and what you're left with is uncertainty. Uncertainty that of whether or not that moment was taken up by somebody else. And I, and I, obviously hope and pray that there's things that I don't know and that there were moments that I have no idea. All I can tell you though, is that I dropped the ball. So disciples, body, friends, we are soldiers in a holy war. We have marching orders. Do not shy away from that. Do not be afraid. Because fear, the ultimate byproduct of fear is then doubt and discouragement and you listen to the fear it's going to take you down a road you listen to your faith you listen to your to your marching orders it's also going to take you down a different road so i, I share this to let you guys know this is real this is big boy stuff this is Faith, God, Christianity, the, the things that we talk about, the things that we believe in, it's life and death. And so I know, I know we try and keep it lighter than this. So to the people that don't appreciate how heavy this is, man, I'm sorry. That, that part of it, I'm sorry. But I'm not sorry about the truth. Mm. 
So you owe it to God and you owe it to the people that he's calling you to interact with to listen when you are called. When you have that inkling that you need to be doing this thing, when you need to strike up that conversation, when you need to go out and go for a walk and talk to that person that you see walking every single day, when you have that feeling, listen to it. Because if you don't, like I said, this is big boy stuff. There's ramifications to our actions. Mm -hmm. Or to our inactions. And if, you know, this is a point where that weight, I can just feel it. And I, I truly understand that pain. It's, it's not a place of words right now. I just think we, we have a God who fills the gaps that we leave behind, who knows better than we do. And, and if I look at the scripture you, you used earlier, Romans 5, I can find in verse 5, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. Right now, you love this man who died. Otherwise, it would be an afterthought. Oh, how sad they passed away. God understands your heart better than any other human. So, I want to go ahead and wrap it up. With a prayer for all of us. Yes. Father, it is very easy to lose sight of the fact that we are in the midst of warfare. Mm -hmm. That this is, there are things and powers outside of our, of what we can even fathom outside of our reality that are contending for the lives and souls of those around us. And Lord, I pray from the bottom of my heart that you empower those who claim your name to be able to go out and spread the word and make gospels or make disciples in your name, Lord, you give us very specific instructions. Mm. I pray for everybody hearing this, for all. I pray for the body. I pray overarching for the body, Lord, that you instill that sense of urgency. That when you call us to do something, it is by your will and your time, even if it means going outside of our comfort zones. Because you commonly call us outside of our comfort zones. 
Lord, I pray for the listeners. I pray that you touch their spirit. Remind them, fill their cup and remind them of the power that they have inside of them through you that we may go out in this world and live it out mm, yes, every Lord. single day live it out Lord I thank you for your grace that you understand that there are going to be times that we are going to drop the ball and that you do not close us out and give up on us when we don't listen, Lord. I pray that those listening understand at least what we can of the ramifications of everything we do and don't do. And I pray that that understanding lights a fire and a fervor to go out and talk to anybody and everybody. That they, the world may know that there is something different with us, that that is not something that we kept keep in and we keep one on one because you do not keep a light hidden from the world. That we let it shine and follow the holy creed that we are given. Lord, I thank you that we are able to come and have these moments with you and live this life that we are not alone, that we are able to have a relationship with you, that we are able to have confidence in you. I thank you, Father, for the holy mission that you have given us. I pray all of these things in your son's holy name. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.